Hey everybody, Peter Zine here, still in Arizona. Uh, last Friday we talked about the pending deal for weapons transfers uh, between North Korea and Russia, with the Russians getting North Korean artillery and most likely the North Koreans getting Russian uh, launch technology, probably long-range missiles. Um, I thought it might be worth to do a little walk down memory lane today about arms control. Uh, most meaningful arms control that the United States has participated in that has shaped the world uh, was between the Americans and the Soviets at the end of the Soviet period under Gorbachev. Things like the Anti-Ballistic Missile Treaty, the START and the SALT treaties and such. Um, they hit their height under George Herbert Walker Bush, which uh, under that administration and then Gorbachev slash Yeltsin, uh, negotiated down the ceiling for nuclear weapons from 30,000 to under 6,000. Well, roughly 6,000. Uh, and then things kind of stalled. Uh, under the Clinton administration, Clinton saw himself as a domestic president, really was not interested in foreign affairs much at all. And after it became apparent that Yeltsin was, um, well, let's just call him mildly corrupt, uh, the desire to be affiliated with the Yeltsin government was relatively thin anyway. Um, Al Gore kind of was subcontracted out to handle foreign affairs, but once uh, Clinton got involved in domestic scandals involving interns, pretty much all foreign policy just kind of melted away. And so we didn't have much progress under that administration. The W administration came in and hit it off fairly well with Vladimir Putin in the early days, in fact, many things that the United States did in the global war on terror in Central Asia wouldn't have been possible without a partnership with the Russians. And under that sort of environment, there was a bit of a renaissance in relations, and there was another phase to arms control, which negotiated down the level, level f further. Um, it wasn't perfect, because the nut level went from roughly six to 7,000 down to about 1,500, but the missiles, I'm sorry, the warheads in between weren't necessarily destroyed. They were simply removed and stored separately. Still better than being on the hair trigger, but it wasn't perfect. Uh, under Obama, Obama didn't like to leave the Oval Office unless it was for the campaign trail. Nothing happened. Under Trump, uh, what was left of the treaties kind of fell apart as the Russians fell into this narcissistic fascism that they're in today. And then obviously under Biden, relations of torpedoed completely because the Russians are on a genocidal warpath. Uh, where this leaves us is that the Cold War and post-Cold War treaties, for all intents and purposes, are gone. Um, as of a few years ago, no one was really abiding by them, and now everyone's pretty much officially withdrawn from them. About the brightest spot we've got on that is that the Russians very clearly are having industrial issues in maintaining their conventional weapons. It's an open question whether or not they're capable of maintaining their nuclear weapons now. Uh, this puts the Biden administration, really all administrations uh, for countries that have nukes, which includes the French and the British as well, in kind of an awkward spot, um, we now need to entertain scenarios where the Russians would actually be willing to hit the big red candy button. Uh, they probably wouldn't do it unless regular Ukrainian or, God forbid, NATO forces crossed the international recognized border into Russia proper, which case would be defensive use. Or, if the Russians do manage to subdue Ukraine, uh, that doesn't really solve their security issues. They have to continue on into Romania Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, and Poland in order to narrow the apertures of approach for foreign forces to Russia, Russian lands. That's what this has always been about. But we now know that Russian forces are, are kind of hot crap. 
Uh, and in that scenario where they'd face off against NATO regular forces, they'd probably be obliterated. Uh, casualty ratios would be extreme on the Russian side, and that would only leave them with nukes in order to compensate, which is one of the reasons, well, it's the primary reason why Washington, London, Berlin, Paris, and the rest have been so gung-ho on helping Ukraine in order to forestall that possibility. Uh, but it also raises what could potentially be the nightmare scenario. We know that the Russians are having problems maintaining everything. And we know the Russians uh, have lacked the industrial capacity to build new stuff. So everything they have is old. In the case of these missiles, things that were built in the 70s in many cases. So what happens if Putin hits that big button and nothing happens? Uh, what do you do to someone who just tried to kill a half a billion people but failed? Uh, no criticism of the Biden administration here. That's a tough call that no one has ever faced when they're sitting in the big chair before. Uh, it's not destined to happen, but I would say from an arms control slash nuclear war point of view, that is my single biggest concern right now. What do you do when the intent is there? When all the pieces are there, but on the day that you hit the button, it just doesn't happen to work because you know they're going to hit that button again, 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 very, very quickly. Uh, and we no longer have the procedures in place to try to defuse that situation, largely because the Russians have ended them. So if you want to stress about something, I give you permission to stress about that. Take care.